Hey, before we get started talking the Joker with Jeffrey Liu, I just wanted to make a quick editor's note. I made a huge disservice to Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson for their respective roles as the Joker. Um, Jack Nicholson was nominated for a Golden Globe for his role as the Joker in the 1989 film The Batman. And Heath Ledger won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for his role in The Dark Knight. So, just wanted the listeners to know that before you guys jumped into this episode. And now, The Joker. Is it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there? Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. When there are clouds in the sky, you'll get by. What? If you smile <laughs> to your fear and sorrow, smile. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Ewing Bank Podcast. This is your host, Emil Wang, coming to you with a very exciting episode ahead of the release of the much-anticipated Joker movie coming out Friday, October 4th. As usual, I cannot do a comic book film without the help of my good buddy, Mr. Jeffrey Liu. How are you, man? (laughs) I'm doing great. How are you? The film The Joker follows the story of Arthur Fleck, who's a failed comedian in Streetland, trying to make ends meet and find some kind of connection to the world. The movie follows his descent into madness and ultimately his transformation into the Joker. The film stars Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker, and for those of you who don't remember, Joaquin Phoenix is known best for his roles in uh, Walk Hard. <laughs> no, not Walk Hard. Walk Hard. <laughs> Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox Walk movie. The, <laughs> <laughs> the wrong kid died, goddammit. You don't want none of this, Dewey Cox. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix, known for his role in Walk the Line, the biopic of Johnny Cash, uh, as well as his role in the film Her. The film is written and directed by Todd Phillips, who is of the hangover and old school fame. Overall, the film's received a wide range of reviews. Uh, I think for most people, they've heard about the 10-minute standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival or whatever. And actually, this is the first R movie of uh, recent DC films. So, a lot to get excited about. Uh, Jeff Liu, what what are your first thoughts? I am very cautious about approaching this film. I mean, I, I, I can understand the hype behind it. But the reason I'm cautious is that uh, even if this film is a success, uh, I think that the... The difficulty of getting people to sign off on an R-rated film means that there may not be a second one or that it may not be integrated into any sort of existing DC property, which is honestly what I would want to see if the portrayal of the Joker is good here. You know, and I because from what I understand, Jared Leto is also coming back as the Joker in uh, the Birds of Prey movie coming up. So, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to a good performance, but I'm not getting my hopes up and I'm not like making uh, plans to anticipate, you know, a repeat performance by Joaquin Phoenix in any other film. So I, you know, I'll, I'll 
I, I'm cautiously optimistic about this film. Hearing that Jared Leto is returning as a Joker is like hearing that I don't know uh, Aquafina is getting a spinoff movie in her in the Crazy Rich Asians universe. Um, I, I think you bring up a really good point about the R rating, though, because not necessarily I don't necessarily agree about the sequel point but i think the integration into the rest of the dcu is is nearly impossible because after this movie joaquin phoenix's joker is just going to be associated with something really dark twisted gory a large mind sinister sinister is the word yeah like he's going to be a a psychological like liability in anything that you push forward because Everybody else has to kind of be mainstream, you know, if they're really pushing this as like, oh, you know, like we're looking at the dark depths of one man's insanity and you're trying to put him into a colorful DC universe film that is appealing to everybody. I mean, that's going to be really difficult to pull off because he's not funny. He's not funny in the way that Ryan Reynolds Deadpool can be funny. They can't just tone it, tone down the violence, and then, like, um, like put them into a film. Yeah, there's going to be memorable scenes of, I guarantee you, of torture, right? Oh yeah, yeah, the kind of the kind of torture that you you can't put into a PG-13 movie. No, um, I want to take this back to uh, comic book history because there's been many iterations of the Joker on film, and there's many iterations of the joker within the comic books themselves and one of the hardest things to do is determine what is actually canon and what isn't so to throw out an example probably one of the most famous comic books of all time would be the killing joke right right Um, i killing joke that's not a frank miller one um it's the other oh it's alan moore alan moore yeah 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 yeah, okay. So Alan Moore of uh, the Watchmen fame. Yes. is is the uh, author uh, author yeah. of of the yeah. Killing Joke. And that is a it's a, a fantastic graphic novel uh, and it's the origin story that we're generally familiar with, uh, the one where some guy who's down on his luck is in some failed robbery at a chemical plant, falls into a vat of acid, emerges the Joker. But I'm curious if you know, is that actually considered canon within the DC universe, or is there another origin story? So there's actually a lot, and uh, technically the Killing Joke was canon for a while, but DC has had so many reboots, like and in the comic book lines, every time there's kind of a new generation of artists and authors, or if they want to just press kind of like a soft reset on everything they have either a comic book event like crisis on infinite earths or the new 52 or uh, like emerald twilight or something along those lines like every, nerd alert yeah no i mean every every five to eight years i would say uh they basically do a soft reset on the dc universe so they can pick and choose which ones of the prior uh, storylines that they want to keep canon. And then the rest of them, they kind of did like, oh, that was in a alternate timeline or an alternate universe or whatever, however you want to put it. But you kind of get to see that in uh, The Dark Knight, the Christian Bale movie with Heath Ledger, 
whenever he tells a story of how he got these scars, you know, it's always a different story. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the way that the Joker operates. So he kind of transcends the soft reboots because nobody really knows how he um, how he became the person that he is. And trying to define him uh, is one of the uh, common themes that are in most of the psychological thrillers uh, or the psychological-based um, uh, graphic novels that are based around him, like The Killing Joke. Uh, there's Brian Azzarello's The Joker. There's also Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum. They all kind of look into different origin stories of the Joker and like tear apart the notion that we need to stick with one. I mean, a, because the medium is a comic book and it constantly changes with the different authors and the different artists, but B also because he's a true psychopath, you know, like he, he, we may never know what the true origin is, you know, um, that's up to DC to decide one way or the other. But, um, the beauty of the Joker is that he can utilize any origin that he's been ever given. And it would totally make sense. That's that's actually a really interesting point, and I never thought about that. From uh, you bring up the Heath Ledger Joker, and I, I always thought that it was—I actually thought that it was kind of annoying that he never told <laughs> a consistent story. Um, I, I think ultimately the point that you're making, and I agree with, is that it it didn't matter. It, it really didn't. It really, really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And when we get to uh, the end of this podcast, one of the last things to, you and I will talk about is does Joker need an origin story, uh, whether in the comic books or a movie? But we'll get to that. Oh, by the way, before we move on to reviewing the past and present Jokers, um, I do want to talk a little bit about the Red Hood because sometimes when I when I mention the Red Hood to my other friends, they're like, oh, that's uh, that's Robin, right? And they, Yes and no. And the, the second Robin, uh, Jason Todd, was resurrected and he took on the mantle of uh, the Red Hood, who is more or less a, a conflicted hero, I guess. Uh, would you describe him, describe him as that? Nerd alert! <laughs> and also, your friends are filthy casuals. Yeah. Um... <laughs> That's a good word that I'm going to start calling bandwagon uh, warrior fans. Go on. Filthy casuals. Filthy casuals. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's that's true. Um the so if you read the Killing Joke, uh, which I, I think everybody should read the kill, Killing Joke, just because it it is an uncomfortable comic to read. Um, it was one of the first comics that I read that made me really think. I was like, oh, it's not just people in spandex fighting each other. Like if you really break it down, these are these are sick people, you know, like they're killing people. And then there's all sorts of things that, um, they go through to bring them to the point of becoming a supervillain. None, none, you know, none stand out more than the Joker, but, um, the Joker, uh, in the origin story that was told in the killing joke, uh, was a down on his luck comedian that worked at a chemical factory. And then there were mobsters that, went under the guise of the Red Hood and his gang that would go and basically uh, shake down businesses for money, right? But nobody ever knew who the Red Hood was. And the reason that was was because the Red Hood was interchangeable. They would just take the mask and put it on a new person. So when um, the Joker character in The Killing Joke uh, wanted to help these guys break into the chemical factory, um, they gave him the Red Hood. So he became the Red Hood for that night, and then the, it, it evolved into, oh, he was the Red Hood, and then he was the Joker. Well, 
if people don't know, there was also a 1980-something uh, comic book – or 1990-something comic book in which Jason Todd, who was the second Robin, uh, was beaten to death <laughs> by the – Death and – yeah, death and the family. Yeah, death and the family. And uh, he got resurrected by Rachel Ghoul in a Lazarus pit, and he came back, and he was just basically a fucking crazy guy. <laughs> so he he remembered dying at the Joker's hands, and then he went and dug into his past and chose to adopt the Joker's identity and just go and basically beat the shit out of uh, beat the shit out of the Joker in the Under the Red Hood series. So yeah, good little tangent on explaining who the Red Hood is, but I think. Um, when it comes to the Joker, he's not so much associated with the Red Hood as as uh, Jason Todd is, but no. there is a relationship that people should know about. Right, right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about previous interpretations of the Joker. Uh, and, and I want to start with the 1960s Adam West Batman. Uh, I, you know, obviously famous for a TV show. I think it was a movie. A gentleman named yeah. Cesar Romero played yeah. the role of uh, the Joker, and I don't remember much of this. I watched a couple YouTube clips, and the best way to describe him is just Jim Carrey's Riddler. I mean, just a, <laughs> yeah. an overall goofy guy, and it, you know, it fit perfectly well for the 1960s, and right. with Adam West and you know, Burt Ward, yeah, Burt Ward, yeah. No, I mean that's that's a that's a really apt way to describe it because basically all of the Batman characters, uh, the Batman villains in the '66 um, version of it, they were all kind of the same thing with kind of the same gimmick. And because there was actually a Riddler also in the '66 mm -hmm. Batman, and they would always get together, and like it'd be like, what's the difference between a joke and a riddle? And they were all kind of like relatively harmless villains. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they, they were just punching bags back in the day. So, <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you put them all in a room and you know, you asked me to close my eyes and you know listen to them talk, like I, there'd be no way that I could tell the difference. Like I wouldn't be able to be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That person talking right now, that's the Joker. Yeah. From yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. they're saying right now. I think if you, without any context or ever knowing who, you know, who's playing who, like yeah. if you put them on, on the screen and I close my eyes, I think I would be able to tell, okay, who's in, who is, who's playing the role of the Joker? Who's oh, playing yeah. the role of the Riddler? Who's, uh, who's going to be Penguin? I don't think we need to spend much time on Cesar Romero. Um, but unless you have anything else to add. No, 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 no. I mean, like the 66 Batman was, was basically, it was the golden, golden era. So it was, it was when superheroes were superheroes and Batman was just like basically the nighttime uh, counterpart of Superman. <laughs> but like, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, it wasn't violent. It was very, very, you know, like uh, Pleasantville sort of feel to it. Like people would commit crimes, but nobody would get hurt sort of thing. Like laughing gas was just literally like everybody would just be laughing. It, it, I mean, like it, it was, it was a, it was a more innocent time. And, uh, 
you know, honestly, it, it did the trick back in the day because all you wanted back then was a, it was basically it was a it was a cartoon that was done in live action, you know, and, and times have changed. Like we've demanded more gritty realism and all sorts of stuff. And like yeah, the character has necessarily had to change with the time. Batman in recent years. I mean, Batman's also come a long way, too. Right. Cause, yeah. You know, Adam West Batman was just. Yeah, very very one dimensional. <laughs> you, you you knew what you you knew what you were getting, but now you know Batman. Batman has to talk like this. <laughs> my my Batman. Did you just, just do a now... geriatric Batman? <laughs> no, my Batman just sounded like a seventh grade kid with a retainer. I actually do want to go out on a date. Where's the trigger? Hey. Hey, Bane. Do you want to have a fight, Bane? This is, this, is tri- this is triggering me. This is how I sounded when I had a retainer. <laughs> Fast forward 21 years from the Adam West Batman uh, to the 19, I want to say 1989, Tim Burton uh, version of Batman. And this is the first time that Batman had made it to the screen since the 60s, which was a big deal. Uh, Michael Keaton played the role of Bruce Wayne as Batman, and Jack Nicholson was casted for the role of the Joker. And at that time, Jack Nicholson had already been pretty well known. Uh, the Shining had had come out before then, so it 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 wouldn't surprise me. And I haven't done my research on this, but it wouldn't surprise me if him playing the role he did in The Shining helped him land the role of the Joker in uh, in Batman the movie. Oh, yeah. No, I, I totally believe it. Um, he definitely was a on-edge, very uh, very intense Joker. Like, not, not psychologically intense, but just, like, he had that kind of gangster-y feel the entire time, you know? He, he actually didn't devolve so much into the kind of, like, like lost his mind status as like he did in the shining, but he definitely brought kind of that like psychotic edge to, to it um, that you could, that you could feel in an 89 Batman. Yeah. And one thing that I remember from watching it and, and I, I watched it maybe four or five years ago. I, I remember it being a very good movie. Yes. Uh, I remember Jack Nicholson being very good as the Joker one thing I didn't remember until I kind of prep, started prepping for this episode is that they do take a stab at doing an origin story where the Joker is a is a gangster uh, named Jack Napier who yep. um, is kind of a your your one dimensional gangster uh, yeah your one your your gangster from your Boston gangster that Jeff Lou oh so much loves. <laughs> um, and Dan uh, Luddy back on this. I feel attacked, man. <laughs> and then, yeah, he, you know, during some botched crime, he falls into a vat of acid. So the the Joker that's portrayed in this Batman film isn't necessarily a, a complete madman. Uh, I mean, he's just a gangster that that started caring less is, yeah. is how I describe him. Still very, very intimidating. Still has some moments where there's, you know, some one-liners that are Joker-esque. But... Not quite the Joker that we would have in mind when we think of the Joker because we grew up in the 19... I mean, we were born in the 80s, but we you know, we grew up in the 90s. There's only one uh, true Joker. <laughs> there's only one true Joker. And if you have nothing else to say about the Jack Nicholson Joker, we can, we can get into that one. Oh, yeah, man. Mark Hamill, baby! <laughs> Hamill of... 
of course, Star Wars fame. Um, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Luke Skywalker, kind of the most one-dimensional heroes ever, does the voice of uh, the voice of a generation. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how to, how else to describe him. There, there, there. I don't know that there has been a voice acting performance so consistent over such a long period of time. I mean, he was doing the Joker roles up into the 2010s. So from 1990, I mean, he's been doing that role for over 25 years, I want to say, and just yeah. like perfect and able to adapt from a, um, you know, uh, afternoon Fox um, TV Y7 show um, mm-hmm. to uh, the very graphic and obscene and like sick, demented um, version that you see in uh, the Batman Arkham games. And I have to mention this too because um, you know he he's not as famous, but uh, he needs uh, to be credited because he's the Batman opposite of Mark Hamill, Kevin Conroy. Man, Kevin mm-hmm. Conroy just does a phenomenal job, and there is no Mark Hamill Joker without a Kevin Conroy Batman in my mind. Um, Kevin Conroy's performance during that time. Whenever I hear Batman's voice. It is Kevin Conroy's voice. Whenever I read comic books and I hear Joker's voice, it's it's Mark Hamill every single time. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. I never really thought about the uh, the interactions the two have, and and ultimately the mood that both of them set for any yeah. episode that the two of them were in. Um, you know, Batman, and and what I liked about Batman, uh, about Kevin Conroy's Batman, it was he wasn't ever over the top committed to darkness and evil or anything like that and he he's actually a very well written character that i i think as we got older and you know became young adults and went into our 20s or whatever um there there was this obsession with like dark versions of our most iconic characters. A, oh, a good yeah. example is, you know, a, a James Bond, the, the mm-hmm. Daniel Craig interpretation. People are like, oh, it's so dark, it's so great, you know, and then yeah. uh and then came the Christian Bale Batman. Oh, he's yeah. so dark, he's so great, you know. Yeah. I, I I think Christian Bale was an okay Batman. Yeah. But I think that that Batman universe tried too hard to to make him this this dark character when it was kind of it was, Almost, uh, and I'm going to take from the the Jeff Lou lexicon, um, uh, ham fisted, yeah, as uh, to, to make him seem dark. Whereas, whereas Kevin Conroy's you know animated Batman was very nuanced, yeah. and I really really appreciated that, and it balanced out the Joker super well. And and and, he, and that's the thing when you take a look at. The children's show, I mean, they they really had to tone a lot of it down. You know, they couldn't they couldn't go ultra dark into it um, or they had to mask a lot of stuff into like phrases and jokes that you wouldn't be able to understand until you were older. So actually going back and watching the animated series as an adult, it's still wildly enjoyable because you're just like, oh, I remember that scene, but I don't remember it having that, you know, like undertone of sarcasm or, you know, like the, the biting comments and stuff like that. And you don't get that till you're older. And then on on the opposite side when you see christian bale i I mean when you see christian bale's batman series it's really hard to like buy into it when it's just going to be like he's the white knight that this 
city needs and I'm the darkness and there needs to be light and hope and I'm just the darkness and blah, 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 blah. No, no, no 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 let me do my impression oh, okay. <laughs> I'm the darkness that the city needs <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, sorry, go on. No, no, no. I, I just, I just think in our pursuit of, and I think this is going to tie into what I think Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is going to be like. I, I think in our pursuit of, of darkness and grittiness and realism, I think a lot of times when we push the envelope too far, and the filmmaker or the artist or whoever needs to make it still needs to like kind of carry over a theme. That's when it becomes cartoonish to me. You know, mm-hmm. because like when you look at the animated series, they still operate as people. You know, the 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 best scenes are not just Batman. It's Bruce Wayne, you know, in the boardroom, you know, saying no to an unethical project or something along those lines. Like it's it's the it's the in between scenes that make the character. You know, yeah. And I feel as and though there was no Bruce Wayne in the last like. There was no Bruce Wayne in the last Batman with the, the last Christian Bale Batman film, yeah. Which which yeah. I was like, that, that's what that movie suffered from. So I, I completely agree with your point. Yeah, and I, you know, and and that's that's just the thing. Like when your character is just the mask, it becomes a boring movie to watch. It really does. And, and I mean, that's that's the same sort of issue that I had with Ben Affleck's Batman in mm-hmm. Justice League, and everything like mm-hmm. you know, and and he didn't even have. A Joker to work opposite off of, you know. Yeah. Uh, he still doesn't. He, him, and Jared Leto has have never filmed a scene together. So yeah. Let, let's hope that never happens. Uh, well, um, I mean, it's not going to now because we've got Edward from Twilight. <laughs> well, well, on your point about one dimension, though, I mean, like Joker is, I don't want to say about as one dimensional as they come, but the Joker that we know from the animated series is, you know. The, there isn't that much of a variety in terms of, I mean, he, he is committed to this one dimension of madness. See, that's where I disagree. Uh, and, you know, okay. like, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, he, it's a gimmick, right? Like he's, mm. he's a joker. Uh, it's all these clowns. He's literally a joker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he, there's all these thugs and clown makeup and all of his themes are to, to, to do these like joke related crimes. You know, the punchline is his ultimate gag, but I I would venture to say that the Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy that that relationship um, allowed kind of the subtext to kind of bleed into the comic books as well, because it was such a beautiful marriage of characters there that you realize that one couldn't exist without the other. And they really did turn that into something that examined not just the Joker as a villain in a traditional villain sense, but also Batman as a hero in the traditional hero sense, because they're both, they're both very deeply broken people. You know, Mm -hmm. Batman is not all in all a good guy. Ultimately Mm -hmm. he does more good than he does bad, but he's going out there giving people concussions, you know, breaking people's arms, you know, like, Doling so out. he plays in the NFL, or <laughs> but I mean he doles out he doles out vigilante justice. You know he he takes the law into his own hands. He's the judge and the jury. He doesn't execute, and that's kind of his only redeeming value in that case. He is a deeply disturbed individual, mm-hmm. and that 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 dynamic of the Batman Joker relationship did would not would never have developed 
would never have developed without um, the Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill Joker. There's actually a um, book out called uh, Batman White Knight. Um, it's kind of a Elseworld sort of like a what if sort of situation. Like if the Joker was sane and, mm-hmm. um, you know, like he started pointing out all the the issues that the Batman has driven. And what if the Batman was really insane? You know, like mm-hmm. how how far can we really push him? I mean, we're we're just giving this man the benefit of the doubt because he supposedly is cleaning up crime. Right. So it just kind of poses an interesting question. It changes the perspective a little bit. So you see it because there are certain instances, there are certain authors that write Joker as a hero and it makes it very, it makes it a very disturbing comic to read, you know, Mm -hmm. like that. It's just, maybe you're just looking at this the entire wrong way. You know, maybe there's just this guy who's out there trying to have fun. And then there's this like, dark apparition that's constantly trying to destroy him you know and and Mm -hmm. it's and yeah you know like you can't take the practicality of crime and murder out of it you know and that's that's where you can find your center again and that's where you anchor's like no 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 joker's the crazy one joker's the crazy one but it it makes you think and it kind of like challenges your presuppositions about the character and about the book in my mind when you're talking about that i'm like i'm thinking that like your joker is just some kind of hippie yeah. He's like trying to, you know, grow grow his marijuana on his. He on, just wants to put smiles on people's faces, man. <laughs> and, and the angry, uh, law-abiding neighbor keeps on coming over and squashing his marijuana plants. Or something. You, you dirty hippie! You were why we were. You were why why we were fighting in Nam. <laughs> Peace and love, brother. <laughs> on the topic of uh, Joker's influence on, or the, the Mark Hamill influence on comic books, uh, there would be no Harley Quinn without the Batman the Animated Series, right? That's 100% it, true, yeah. Harley Quinn is, I think, the first comic book character that originated from the animated a, series, yeah. an, an, an animated series adaptation of a comic book. Exactly. <laughs> and credit that to the Harley Quinn Joker interactions oh, yeah. that were on the animated series that were so bonkers and hilarious yeah. and outrageous. I mean, that's what right. makes me mad because you, the the DC universe has been so disjointed for such a long time because the Warner Brothers execs can't get their act together. But you mm-hmm. have somebody who created such good work for such a long time that it got integrated into a different medium. It got integrated into the original medium that, you know, uh, that, that spurned the whole, the whole series, you know, like it's art creating art. It's a, like you essentially did a perpetual motion, like movement there, you know, like you, you, you created two different mediums where you can develop a story in different ways and they, they can still play in the same playground. And as soon as you get Warner brothers involved, it all kind of went to shit, you know. So yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, we'll, and they we'll... never, yeah, they never, call, they never called the creative team behind Batman, the animated series, Superman, Justice League, like all the animated series. They never called the creative team to come in and be like, "Hey, listen, I think we're fucking up. Like, what should we do here?" <laughs> hey, Harley Quinn isn't just some slut with random, you know, random quips about yeah. being crazy. Like, there's a lot, many more layers to Harley Quinn. Yeah. Harley, like, Harley and... Quinn is, was a brilliant psychologist. Also, all this sort of stuff. Who was like the primary director of all? This? Was it Bruce? Tim? Bruce Tim, yeah, Bruce. It Tim. was Bruce Tim that yeah, did yeah. the uh, anime series, and, and he still does 
some of the recent animated films as well. So yeah, uh, it's good to good to see that he's still involved and not not just retired. Oh, but yeah. anything else? Any other thoughts on the Mark Hamill Joker? The voice obviously is is again one for the ages, and I yeah. agree that anytime I read a comic book with the Joker in it, it's it's being read to me in yeah. in the Mark Hamill voice. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I would just say that for anybody who has never seen it, uh, watch the behind the scenes of how Mark Hamill gets into character for the Joker voice. And it's really just an incredible it's an incredible watch. Like he is a consummate professional when it comes to this sort of stuff. And to the people who only know him as Luke Skywalker, man, like Mark Hamill is a talented, talented actor. Uh, I was going to say for a dude who has one facial expression, he's got like a, like an incredible uh, voice range. And I, kind of a sidebar, but I, I think his lack of facial expressions has something to do with like a really bad car accident that happened in the late 70s. Oh, I don't um, know. I don't know anything it, about that. Yeah, that that might be Emil making things up. But, <laughs> so, um, but let's move on to the Heath Ledger Joker the the Joker that appeared in the Dark Knight Rises and mm-hmm. probably the Joker that our generation remembers the most right? right the one that you know for people who are what was your term uh, casual friendly or dirty <laughs> filthy, filthy casual filthy filthy, filthy casual uh, casual friendly that sounds like <laughs> that sounds like someone I'd hook up with but. Um, <laughs> Filthy casual people really are like, oh, you know, the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker is is um, you will be the greatest of all time. I I think that the Heath Ledger's Joker was incredible. I sometimes hear his voice when I read the books too. Saying that Heath Ledger's Joker could not have existed without Mark Hamill, without Jack Nicholson, it it was too much of a um, it, it was too much of a callback to each one of them. He he decided to take elements of a lot of different ones and then apply his own character to it. But he even admitted himself that like he felt very very daunted by the prospect of being this Joker. What I will say is this: I was incredibly impressed with an initial performance by Heath Ledger. And I think it is an absolute fucking shame that he passed away before Mm -hmm. he could explore this character more. Because I think one of the reasons um, the Christian Bale series fell so hard was because they had these wonderful plans for Heath Ledger that, like, would never come to fruition, you know? What do you mean that the series fell so hard? You did not like Bane? Venom, is that you? (laughs) (laughs) And then Heath Ledger died during the production of The Dark Knight. I mean, that's, that's, there's, there's just like no way around explaining that. Like, they changed huge aspects of The Dark Knight's formatting and the cutting and everything like that as a tribute to him, which is fine and great, but one of your greatest villains, like you couldn't capitalize on that. So, I mean, I, I just think that it's a tragedy on so many different levels that Heath Ledger, you know, put forward this. I, I mean, I, I thought it was a really compelling first performance. And I thought that like, if given the opportunity, he could have developed it even further. 
Um, and it's kind of just like, well, you know, what if, you know, the, these things happen, you, that you can't do anything about it, you know? So, I mean, that's what I think about the Heath Ledger Joker era. I, I think it has just a huge potential to be great and it was setting itself up for that ramp up, but you know, uh, tragic, just a tragic end to that actor. Uh, very tragic. And, and you're absolutely right that there was so much more they could have built up on. And uh, and yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the end of the movie had to be cut a little bit differently because of the events that had happened. And I remember watching the movie and being like, oh, yeah, that, that was kind of a, a sudden end to yeah. to, the, to the Joker. He just gets like there's that whole like uh, standoff between the two boats and then Batman comes in and you know ties up the Joker. And that, that's kind of a like a yeah. end to the Joker. Um, any memorable scenes? That you have from the Joker, just from from the uh, Heath Ledger Joker. Yeah, I mean yeah. the 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 scene that I recall the most, the two scenes I recall the most, is when he's walking towards um, the Bat Cycle with a yes. gun, and yes. just come on, hit me, hit me. I want you. Yeah. To hit me. I want you to hit me. Yeah. Like it, you don't know whether or not he's insane or he's trying to build himself up to it so i thought that was that subtlety was really good um i thought that oh there actually you know what there are a couple of really really good scenes with heath ledger um i thought the whole bank opening scene was great um and and his is like no i'm supposed to kill the bus driver and then he just does a little step to the side even the little like even the little reveal at the very end it's like I, um, at the very end of the bank robbery scene, I thought was just phenomenal. Um, the other thing too is when he's sitting in the cell and he's just clapping at at Commissioner Gordon when he becomes commissioner for the first time. It's a great scene, you know. Like when he meets all the bosses for the first time. Yes. Oh my Does god! The pencil trick. The yeah, pencil that's trick. a great, great scene. Like I, I mean, th- there's there's like just moments of brilliance. It fell apart in the third act. Mm-hmm. It fell apart yeah. in the third act, but like, he, like even when he was, even when he had to act opposite Maggie Gyllenhaal, he was so good in that scene, like, I, like, and he was able to elevate Maggie Gyllenhaal's performance because I was just yeah. sitting. She, she needs every <laughs> anything she can get. I, I mean, honestly, I was sitting there and I was just like, listen, I I really hate this character, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character, but for some reason. Like Heath Ledger being in the room and doing that and like grabbing her face, like it, it's so, so visceral and violent, you know. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I was sitting there, I was just like, that's a lot of trust, you know, between the actors. And you know what's great about that that scene is um, going back to the the meeting of the head bosses is, I think we as the audience, even though we know he's the Joker. We still don't know what we're about to get. No, yeah, absolutely. Not. You know, he might roll in and just be the Cesar Romero Joker, or he yeah. might you know, roll in and start talking like Mark Hamill. Uh, but he he dominated the presence in that room as a as a character, but he also made the audience feel really uncomfortable with him inside, and that's almost has that kind of presence that a horror film has. Yeah. It's like 
you know, when is he going to lash out or when, when is, when is that surprise coming? You're just, there's just pending doom that that's coming. Right. And then, and then the moment you see the pencil scene, you're just kind of like, Oh, what a relief. Like it, like, the yeah. the release was there like, yeah. you, like he killed somebody oh the, thank god the punchline was <laughs> was yeah, yeah it was, was delivered. delivered yeah 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 so i i i'm always going to remember that and i think definitely very very incredible very memorable and has really set the stage for like the expectations of what a joker should be which will transition into jared leto and i and i don't want to spend more than 68 seconds talking about this guy because that joker was trash i mean it was it was like like that joker's origin story was like all the other jokers like just just try not to be any of these guys so you can come off as original yeah he was yeah garbage I, I don't I really don't know what to say about Jared Leto Joker. I, I tried very hard to find something redeeming with that performance. I hated that performance. It, it it there was there was no significance and you know a lot of that I think has to be blamed on the producers of the film and uh, the, the constant script writing and I think just that like acrimonious, um, set of suicide squad like i i just like i i feel as though it was a caricature of a character you know like and it was just hard you know it was like and that's the thing too like all of his tattoos and everything they bled into the comic books and i was like don't do that you know this this isn't worthy you know this is a like whatever you did here it's not worthy of like the performance and uh, on that same note, they like Margot Robbie's Harleen was also just like, come on, you guys, like you're taking a rich character and you are just like, and Margot Robbie's a good actress, great actress. Like, why are you doing this? You know, you are wasting potential here. I don't know. Yeah, I I think Harley Quinn is a character that should never be on a live action. I I think she's just so outrageous. Like her charm is just just how bonkers she is. That but I, I but that's the thing. I think Margot Robbie could do it. Like like really, I really version. think so. It would have. I to be really like think Margot film. Robbie could do it if they did a nuanced enough version of it. But this was just like a like. Why would you put Harleen Quinzel against like a fucking goddess? You know, that entire movie pissed me off, you know, it's like, <laughs> I... oh, we've got a bunch of like, you know, super alpha Navy SEALs in there. But no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's a girl get, with a big hammer. Let's get a girl with a big hammer. Uh, one one really good guy with a gun, and then like Captain Boomerang. Like, yeah. come on, man! Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, there's so many things wrong with the Suicide Squad that it, it's almost like not a surprise that Jared Leto's Joker was like he he was an afterthought. He was like a yeah. He was a like a character because it was like oh let's just let's just put Joker in there because we can yeah because Harley Quinn is in it yeah. that we oh we need to have a Joker and let's just have him show up for ten minutes and you know be somewhat abusive against a Harley Quinn yeah. and like God he I don't know he had no objective that's the thing like <laughs> yeah. it, he wasn't even after money he wasn't after anything like. Like yeah. he he just wanted like it's it's not even there there there's if you have a pointless villain, there's no redemption to him, yeah. you know like 
I don't understand Jared Leto's Joker's point. I didn't get his point, and that is yeah. why he was a throwaway character. So yeah. 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 Anyway, we we wasted too much time talking <laughs> about him. Um, so let's wrap this up with the question that we brought up in the very beginning. Does Joker really need a an origin story? Do we it, this film that Joaquin Phoenix is doing? Is this something that's going to make us? change how we think about the joker in the comic books or is this going to be something that you know we we want to just be like okay it's a standalone movie it 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 didn't have to be about the joker it could have been about some psycho guy i don't know like i'll start i don't know if i want to see a joker origin story um, I don't know, and, and like you said, you touched on this earlier. It it's going to be really hard to follow this up with anything. That you know, it's yeah. going to be hard to tie it into any of the DCU. So, if we open this door, like what what's to come of it? Do what what's the intent? What is are we going to want to think about this Joker when we read the comic books, or are we going to want to? make comic book stories that are that are inspired by this origin story i i don't know i think it's a problem with timing um i think if you had if you didn't have such a problem and frankly if you didn't have so many jokers in in like media right now i mean you have a joker in gotham you've got a joker in suicide squad I think you have a Joker that they're developing for the Arkham Asylum games again. I mean, there, there's so much exposure out there. Why are you making another one? You know, like, and that's and that's my biggest thing. Is it because Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor? Okay, maybe. And so this is like kind of like a passion project then? Fine. But then this is a standalone and it is just about Joker. And Joker doesn't exist without Batman. If it's just a Joker movie, then it's just about a psychopath. And, and that's it. Not like, and, and the Joker and Batman have, they, they create, they, they necessarily need each other. Like, they can have standalone movies, but... They need to have a universe that's tied into to um, to each other, or else it's it's pointless. You know, it's just it's it's an exercise in ego, and and that's the thing. I look at Joaquin Phoenix's performance right now in the trailers, and I am intrigued. I I am intrigued because I'm like I don't know what you're going to do with this at, at this point. But is this a tribute to the comic books? And if it is, why not just make it a full-blown character, you know? And this is executives getting in the way, you know? Like, I don't know why there is such a communication depth here uh, or a con communication, like, um, issue here between, like, the departments in – Warner Brothers and DC, like this, this is this is not a difficult question, you know. Um, and and the, the question of do you guys want this? Yeah, and and, <laughs> and the other, and the, I guess the last thing I would say is this: 
I think that if this is a one-off and they really are just like, listen, we are never going to be able to make this ever again. You are never going to see a fully-fledged Joker in any Batman film because the Batman films will always need to be PG-13. That's like Deadpool, right? Like Deadpool can seamlessly transition into other of the Marvel movies. They'll just make him like make jokes instead of like being ultra violent, right? Joker is not scalable. You know, the the depth of crazy is going to define the film. It's always defined a film that Joker's been in. So if you want to put that into if you if you think that the only way to present Joker in its purest form and this is like really your love letter to this character okay i guess you know like we're gonna go see it um and if it's a brilliant performance it's a brilliant performance but you're setting up your audience for disappointment that's my that's my take on it if it's a wonderful thing if it's a great film if it's like if it's truly and honestly i heard that like the media outlets that put out oh it's a great film blah 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 there's a lot of outlets that have been blocked from seeing the film because they talk about one thing or the other like the violence or like the the psychological issues or like the torment or like the lack of understanding whatever there's a whole bunch of stuff that like hasn't surfaced yet i i'm just saying like i don't know how good of a film it's going to be and if it's a bad film then I will be even more upset because you've wasted it. You know, you've wasted it so hard. And, and that and that's my call on it. I think this movie could just, again, be about some psychopath. Yeah. It didn't have to be the Joker, but you'll sell a shit ton of tickets yeah. by saying it's, it's the Joker. It's the Joker, right? yeah. It, uh, this is the origin story that uh, like all the dirty casuals uh, yeah. wanted wanted about the Joker. And and it, and it really is such a like, like a, a non-comic book fan thing to to want it's money right? it's to money always... men it's all the money men well yeah it's that i mean obviously you want to sell tickets but it's also like the people that are, that are legitimately going to get pumped about this and and approach it with the mind that their lives are going to be changed because of this joker film like these are the, the people that like they're not legitimate comic book fans like, i i don't i don't anticipate like real hardcore comic book fans like yourself to to appreciate this film as a piece of this whole universe yeah right i i don't expect that to happen but i think other people are going to be like oh this is this is the joker that yeah. um you know the rest of the the dcu should be striving uh striving to include yeah and and match that sort of level of darkness right. and um you know I, I think some of it should just stay on the on the comic book pages yeah. and 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 leave you know leave some of it open to people's interpretations yeah. i mean joker joker really doesn't need that origin story i i full-heartedly agree that this this movie is just being made to sell tickets um yeah. which i i guess that's what movies are for right so yeah. again if crazy rich asians is out there selling tickets, making awards. Yep. They could make a Joker movie yeah. and sell tickets and win awards. Yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, last question, actually. If you, if it were up to you to make a Joker film, well, how would you do it? I would start in the asylum, honestly. 
Um, mm-hmm. He's been caught. You can actually show the violence. And, and I think this is the whole thing about perspective shift, right? I think you should spend the entire movie making Joker out to be a victim and then, you know, convincing the right people and then making people see like that Batman's the true villain, you know, like yeah. look at him, he's beating ass. And then I want the last scene of the film, just him like laughing his way after killing a bunch of guards um, and walking out of the asylum. Like, hmm. like usual suspects sort of like feel to yeah. it. Like, I can't believe I've been betrayed this hard, but then like, and you honestly, that's where Harleen Quinzel comes in. You know, Harleen Quinzel is the patsy and then she falls in love with him and all this other sort of stuff. Yeah. And I think if you want to do that, if you want to really truly do a Batman Joker standalone trilogy, you could do that. You could do Hmm. one movie of just like Batman beating ass, you know, and fucking like taking names and like, you know, he saves the city, but he's got to like fuck up a whole bunch of the Joker's thugs, his property damage everywhere. People have died, you know, but he takes the Joker in. And then the Joker movie is the sequel in the movie. It's just a standalone. It's just a standalone Joker movie, you know, and it's it's premised by all of the events that happened in the first film. And the third film is like, a true character, like deep dive into both of them, you know, and you can have the Batman movie be a jump off point for other Batman movies. And then it it could be the jump off point to other Batman movies and, and this Joker movie. And then the Joker could be a standalone series, but it has to involve Batman. It just doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be a Batman movie. You know what I'm saying? I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, the, the third film in your proposed trilogy would be really interesting because the audience is kind of coming in on with two different perspectives, exactly. now, right? Like a, yeah. a film where the Joker is more of the victim. Yeah. Well, Jeff, make your lawyer money. I'll make my exterior wall consulting money and let's, let's make this, yeah. let's make this Joker film. <laughs> I think, uh, I think we can do it. Just it'd be Asian jokers, but, uh, Jeff, dude, this has been so much fun. Um, thanks for taking the time and being part of this. And I, uh, you know, we'll, depending on how this film is, I I think we owe the listeners a a recap episode once, once we see it. So, uh, yeah, this is the Wang Bang podcast. This is Emil Wang. And this is Jeff Liu. Keep on banging. banging. Though your heart is aching, smile. Even though it's breaking When there are clouds uh, Hi, uh, this is Jeff Liu reading for The Joker. Uh, uh, here we go. Uh, There's no difference between gym strength and game speed. If I can bench max rep the combined squat over 500 and run a 4.4 in a gym, then I can sure as fuck do it during a game anytime, anywhere. (laughs) Higher spark score than most of these NFL clowns. (laughs) P.S. Andrew Luck is a little bitch.